This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Three sleeps. Whoa, it's getting close. Not that anything different happens after those three sleeps, of course, except that it's Christmas. Well... And then all the stress is gone. So that's fantastic. Three sleeps <laughs> until the end of stress. Woo! <laughs> and who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure to introduce Anne-Marie Davis. Um, Anne-Marie um, is from Kaitangata, originally from Auckland, um, has worked in adolescent mental health. So an absolute hero in the world. We need more Anne-Marie's in the world. Um, a gardener, photographer, abstract surrealist, flower arranger, um, and very nice person. Welcome, Emery. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me to be part of your show today. It's very exciting to be here. Welcome, Emery. Are you in Kaitangata? Yes, I am. I am. The How day is a beautiful sun. It's turned to a little bit of wind and um, gentle rain kind of falling on the window. Well, that's I think a, the wind will blow it away. That is a good thing because we need it to cool down. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So we're asking people about how their bubble life was, and until recently that was nice and easy. Everyone knew what we meant. But now, of course, it's gotten complicated because there's multiple bubble lives and a traffic light. How was your bubble life last year? Well, my bubble life was um, me, um, me, me in Kaitangata, and um, yeah, I, my, my whanau or family is in, mainly in Auckland. I have one sister in Christchurch, but um, you know, I have really good friends here, and um, you know, we'd sort of talk over the fence, and um, I would go wandering around with my camera, um, and we have quite a few little gravel roads here, so I'd uh, go check out all the. Uh, the wild beasts in the town. So I found guinea pigs and chooks and horses, sheep, you name it, llamas, amazing. It was really quite delightful. Each day I could find a new animal and, um, yeah, just engage with them in some meaningful way, usually photographing them. And if, like the horses, I'd be patting and the goats, you know, they were quite inquisitive coming up to the fence and having a wee look at me. <laughs> So no, it was it was quite helpful to go wandering with the camera and um, just take a break from the house, really, get some air and do a bit of exercise, and just lots really of, enjoy the landscape. Lots of people have said that the the lockdown, particularly the first one, was a really good opportunity to almost to to reconnect or to perhaps discover 
their own place. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I mean, I'm, um, you know, not being from here, even have, having been here a long time, there's always something new I discover about the place. And, um, you know, the mighty Clutha River, it's a very powerful, um, powerful natural resource. And it's just beautiful to sit down there and, um, you know, experience the uh, power in that, in that water. And, um, you know, just 4K along the coast, you can go to um, where, the, where the river meets the ocean. And um, that is um, a very amazing place, um, full of, uh, I don't know, it's just where the salt and the pure water, well, I don't know how pure it is, but it's just an incredible force to know that it's travelled, you know, from Wanaka way, way in the mountains, and then it comes miles and miles and miles on its journey to um, exit at the mouth of the river here in Kaitangata. So it's, yeah, I find it pretty special. One of my swimming friends, we swim open water, has decided that a challenge we should do this summer is swim from Balclutha to Kaitangata. And he's all enthusiastic wow. about it, and the rest of us are not keen. I think if you've got a good support crew, a bit of, you know, a few flotation devices um, nearby, I think you'd be fine. I, I do know of people that have done it. Um, I'd probably not that far, but I, I certainly think it's been done. Yeah, so we I just need quite a current. Yeah, we need, I, th I think so. Um, we need people that know the river, I think, is the. <laughs> The crucial bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly not for the faint hearted. So after the the first lockdown, did life return to business as usual last year or, or, or was it something different? Mm, I think I think um COVID and the environment have um you know, for me, um, you know, having been a nurse and, you know, I've worked um, in a number of fields where infection control has been paramount. I Like I've worked in theatre and I understand the sterile field. So, you know, I've been quite vigilant and, you know, I'm, I am really concerned for the hospitals and the healthcare staff that if things do get out of control that you know people are going to be under a lot of pressure and I, I think people already are under a lot of pressure um, but for me you know I try and support um, friends and whanau, um as I as I'm able um, and you know I know people are sort of a few friends here and Kai have sort of said well you know if I get sick you know who's going to look after me and you know I've sort of said well you know I'm, I'm available to help you um, in the event of this this happening um, but I'm also aware that my dad is in Auckland and he's 90 <laughs> and um, yeah I'm yeah I'm just sort of juggling where is best for me to be um, so yeah it's kind of yeah I've just I've just been with my sister um, in Christchurch and um, I've, I had some amazing experiences up there with gardens and meeting people, um, sort of looking at herbs and trees, plants, flowers, you know, things that I'm really passionate, passionate about. 
um, you know, as a therapeutic, I mean, I'm trying to develop a therapeutic garden here. So, um, yeah, I guess I'd love to be able to invite people to come and just sort of sit and maybe do a self-portrait or, you know, just spend time with the trees and the birds and just um, just gain a, a you know, a re-centering of, of their own um, being, just enjoying nature um, in a very natural way, sort of um, kind of quite wild. It's not very constructed at all. It's just, and I've tried to make it fragrant, um, you know, with herbs and Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Why this one? Oh, I just think it's um, a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, it's always been um, very uplifting and sort of curious and inquiring as to, and I think in the current context, I, I think it's... Um, you know, quite a moving song for centering. Talk to me, you can't. 
in our communities at the moment our kids are under so much pressure and from your perspective as someone who's worked in adolescent mental health if there was one problem that you could solve right now that would make the difference for our young people what would that be i guess that being able to talk to someone um whoever it is uh wherever it is um even if it's not face to face you know if you if you're ever really struggling with any issues and, you know, I know from time to time, I too have struggled with issues. And, you know, just to be able to talk to someone about um, what's going on, or um, it's a very powerful and healing um, process. Yep, that's, a, just, that's an just important to be, thing. To be heard and to be understood and, and not judge for whatever, um, whatever you may be feeling. Just, just um, given the afi and the the embrace, um, to know that it's going to be okay. I think, and you know, to see to see vulnerable people is, um, I guess, it's um, pretty sad when you see. I mean, I find it no, I find it quite hard to um, see people struggling because. Um, I guess I might have seen, um, yeah, I probably, I probably, um, yeah, I think, I think if, as, as children are brought up in our society, I think we need to really, um, instill resilience and, um, just those avenues of being able to, um, you know, seek seek help and support when when it's required you know and and often families don't realize that their young people are really struggling and it was just so amazing you know to see people moving you know the young people moving through their journeys to wellness and you know getting restored you know their their um their mana and their dignity and just returning home um back to their schools back to their lives um just with a whole lot of um new skills and and new um a new vibrance um and often you know learning to um live with mental illness is part of their um their uh, trajectory Ooh. do you think that there is um that there's a gap in the services that we're offering our young people at the moment and if if there is 
what does filling that gap look like? What what do you think we need to do? What's missing? Well, I haven't I haven't worked in mental health for you know over ten years, but um, I work with Dr. Hanimoa Alder at Starship, um, and she is the most beautiful practitioner. And I have her book Araha, and um, we're walking, working through her uh, Toki. Um, you know, they are just beautiful everyday um, little snippets of ways to and how to and you know just I just love that book and I just love its wisdom and you know they're just simple everyday things that um, you know we can adopt and embrace and you know I know myself and I've studied horticulture subsequent to working in mental health and I've really enjoyed my time um, learning about nature and trees and propagation and collecting seeds and you know just just watching um, the regeneration of natives that are just sort of popping up under their mother tree you know or their father tree and it's, it's quite miraculous to see regenerating um, you know things that I haven't planted or haven't intended but just nature just sort of doing its own thing right before my eyes I, I just find it um, I just find it quite miraculous. The other day, my son uh, was, well, last month he planted a cucumber. And the other day, I'd noticed that the cucumber was growing along the ground. So I had, it li had him lifted up and just click the leaves underneath the, the, um, the netting that we had put up. And I said to him, as you watch that plant today, it's going to send out some tendrils and they're going to wrap around that netting and it will hold it in place. He said, will it? And I said, yes. And over the course of the day, that's exactly what happened. This miracle occurred. And now there's, you know, this beautiful cucumber growing and the tendrils are wrapped around everywhere and it blew him away. And then he started <laughs> observing things like the passion fruit does the same thing. There's these beautiful miracles that happen in our gardens every day. Sometimes I say to people, you know, I can go out in the garden and then I'll come back and, you know, and then I'll go back out and I'll see growth and people go, are you smoking marijuana? I'm like, no, honestly, I'm, I'm so kind of connected with my garden and the plants, even though it's full of weeds and cooch, and, you know, it's not a perfect garden in any shape or form. It's actually quite a wild garden, but to see the growth is, um, you know, for me, um, you know, and the birds that come and it, it just sort of creates a wee haven um, where I really would love people to come and experience it um, themselves. So if you're ever down this way, please do come and uh, <laughs> come and visit the garden. You're most welcome. Thank you. Mawera introduced you as, I think she said, a surreal florist. <laughs> oh, Surrealist, no, I, I, a surrealist um, a surrealist abstract florist. <laughs> Look, I love flowers and herbs and plants, and I love the juxtaposition of putting um, a little. I love the freedom of creating a a wee gift of flowers to take to people. Um, it just gives me so much joy to be able to take flowers. Um, and you know, I know it's not a big $50 bunch or, and you know I, I love what florists do I love I love the creation of color and form but I guess I just try and do that um just walking around in the wilderness just 
collecting a bit of this and a bit of that and putting together this sort of uh, wee bunch of uh, love and beauty to share. And I just sort of wrap a little bit of cordage around and go and present it. And um, yeah, it's just kind of what I love to do. I really do love to do that. It's, it's not work. It's not, you know, it's not a paid, all my work that I do is not a paid work. Um, and my photography is another thing that I am really passionate about. Um, I have an exhibition coming up at the Dunedin Botanic Garden in February and March. And I've set myself a rather um, <laughs> difficult and challenging task is that I want to try and capture photosynthesis. Um, and that's the kind of working title of the exhibition. And um, I've been taking a lot of photographs of Harakiki and I'm, I'm quite fascinated by Harakiki and it's numerous, the things that it can do. When I look at my photos of it and it's sort of, and I look up really close to the, the detail of the, the foliage and it's, it's sort of like a tweed, you know, the, the linear structure of the leaf and the, the patination and the you know, gradients of the tone. It's so subtle and, you know, and if you just look at a harakiki, it's imperceptible. You can't, you can't actually see it. But when you actually, when I document it in the photo and I, and I allow myself to, you know, because I, I quite like to see things quite up close. I quite like to change our perception of what it is we're seeing. And often, and I guess it relates to mental health. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of discrimination and a lot of marginalisation of people for all kinds of reasons. And I think having worked in, in areas where there's that experience for people, um, I've always tried to be a voice um, to uh, address that discrimination and that marginalization for those people that are on the outside because, and that's with speech marks because they are not on the outside, but there's the perception of um, not being included within our society. And I think that's been true for a lot of things, but I think maybe people are actually starting to be a little more caring and um, show a little more compassion to, to people that are not like them. Um, and I think, I, yeah, yeah, I think it's mo moving through a whole lot of different facets of our society and culture, race, gender. Um, you know, I think people are calling out more and more that it's actually okay to have a point of difference, that it's actually okay to um, not be mainstream because we all, we're all in this boat together and we all, um, contribute in ways that are, um, you know, unique and special and it all makes up, you know, to, um, hopefully, um, you know, a sense of unity and that gives not only, um, your own life power, it gives, um, our country and our, you know, our world and um, hopefully our environment, um, you know, regeneration and um, just, 
you know, the chance to continue um, our fragile existence with hope and, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sounding, trying to sound too philosophical, but basically my, my photography, what I'm trying to say is that I'm, I'm trying to push the boundaries and, and push perspectives and push people to, to look just a little bit closer at what they perceive and actually look a little bit deeper and, and look at their will and their um, looking outside the square, outside the boxes. If you know what yeah, I mean. I, I do know, I know very well what you mean because I catch the bus at the bottom of our road, which happens to be the bus stop is beside where Pete Hodgson is regenerating a patch of, or it was farmland and, and um, now it's. I think you'd almost come close to calling it forest. So I, I, t I always try to make sure I get to the bus stop a couple of minutes early and take pictures with my with my phone and put it on Twitter. And I call it bus stop botany. No one follows it. No one likes it or anything. But it it makes me happy. I I, I really I really really like it. And I I agree that the the harakiki the flax is like you'd look at it and think well, it's it's like once you've taken the pictures of it sort of reaching for the sky. Then what do you do? But it's really interesting. Oh, it's fabulous. I went on a wild Dunedin um, walk. Uh, we went on a two-hour walk out of Portobello on a, I forget the name of the people, but it was a, a couple, and they'd open up their their land for, for us to walk on. And, oh, looking at his harakiki, or their harakiki, it was all eaten by, and he was saying that that was biodiversity. It's a special kind of um, insect. And then I I actually found that same, it looks like a strand of DNA, the way the, the insects cut into it. And I, I photographed it with absolute fascination and I sent it to him and I went, oh, I've got biodiversity here in my garden too. You know, it's sort of like damaging the, the harakiki, but to know that there's all this insect life within um, this incredible plant that you can weave with and, you know, make things with cordage, you know, the uses of harakiki are, are just endless and i think it's my latest native love of of our bush and um i think you know i just think it's the most beautiful beautiful we uh, structure growing in our in our land bubble sprite of the forest of orakanui dinidin's favorite goddess tahu mackenzie kia ora koutou namahi arahanui kia koutou koutou I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and your beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are. The triumph of nature's art. Perfect. Unique. And here, making things better. Thank you. Now, I know for all of us, the last only two years have been a very difficult time. It's so important that we're kind to ourselves and each other, that we acknowledge and appreciate all the love, all the compassion, all the care, all the nurturing, all of the support that we have given and received and are giving and are receiving. How wonderful this is, how lucky we are we can connect with each other and we want to. And that when we do, we discover so much more about who we are and what we can do. 
and new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling. How wonderful. So I've had the best day today, obviously, at my heart's home, Orokanui Eco Sanctuary. And I had a wonderful time connecting my lovely young friend Anna, who's 14, and a wonderful songwriter with my lovely friend Sonia, who's also French, and has been recording her album at the university here, alongside a beautiful book, all based on her experiences of growing up being a French person. Anna is also French, so it's just perfect. And it was a wonderful, wonderful time. And I just love that ability that we have to see these connections and see how, by bringing people together, we can benefit the both of them. I think it's my favourite, 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 favourite thing to be able to do. It's wonderful. So... Anna and Sonia will continue to make music together, which is wonderful. And I also had a lovely visit from a very clever lady making native bird calendars. And over the top of where the month is, she puts a little A5 piece of paper and it has lots of information about the native birds and fun challenges for each month. So the challenge might be visit an eco-sanctuary like Old Canoe or whatever it is. It's very clever anyway. So I thought, fantastic, you know, good on her. And I've put her in touch with Predator Free and obviously Otakanoi. And also speaking to the amazing Kathleen Gallagher about screening her film Rohi Korepo Repo at Otakanoi, which is all about our beautiful wetlands and caring for them. So it's been a really wonderful day of connecting and, and sharing time with people. And I also went to visit the wonderful banjo player and banjo maker and banjo teacher Don Milne at his beautiful house who Sonia is staying with and I'm going to get a gourd banjo and learn the gourd banjo so I'm very excited about that and of course this is the the way the first banjos were made from gourds from hui so I'm very excited to get, to get going with that and uh, yes, it's been a wonderful time. And my poor leg, which I injured, I may have a blood clot in my leg, but I'm having a scan tomorrow to find out all about it, so it will be fine. So I really hope for you that today and every day you're able to really enjoy this process of connecting with and connecting others to each other and using this process of connection of course, you're able to deepen your connection with yourself and the skills and qualities and magic you possess. And of course, by connecting those that you love, understanding yourself in new ways. And really, our whole lives are based on and due to these beautiful connections that have happened throughout time and space since the universe erupted into being. So we have these connections, these meetings, these moments of recognition to thank for our lives and I feel so grateful and I'm grateful to have the opportunity to connect with you so a huge thank you to Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team for having me and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Anne-Marie Davis. 
Oh, look, I've just come back from being with my sister. Um, and while I was there, I discovered this little meadow. I really wanted her to stop so I could go and photograph the meadow and find out what, what was behind this fence. So she said, look, you know, you'll find it, you'll find it. Anyway, I, I didn't find it. And I, I searched around. I asked people. I went to an op-shop at a wee church. And I said, look, I'm looking for this meadow that I saw driving, you know, near Opawa, near Waltham. It's sort of in that finishing. Anyway. <laughs> Everywhere I was looking, looking, couldn't find it. Anyway, my sister was going to give me her push bike to bring back the Kaitangata, and um, she said, Look, you better go for a wee ride. So I went for a ride, and then two streets um, going in a straight line was the meadow. So I went through the wee gate, and then I discovered the Englishwoman, Lily, who was teaching permaculture, and she told me all about it, and this wee little um, artist studios scattered all around. It used to be an old horticultural centre an old winery but they have um in a massive um hothouse it's got holes in it and they have theater in there so the um christchurch theater court they, you know they've got light i said do the lights work and she went yeah <laughs> so it's sort of all run down and all these artists have got these little huts all around so i was just absolute in awe <laughs> excitement <laughs> and they've got fruit trees and, um vegetables growing anyway i I just said, oh, Lily, she said, oh, we're having a community meeting here between five and six. Why don't you come back tomorrow? So the next day, I said, look, thank you for amazing. I went back the next day to artists, Steph and Viv, and one of, so I sat with them and we talked about the meadow and art and life. And then um, I could hear the meadow was being cut down and the meadow is in a paddock. <laughs> it was pouring with rain. I don't know how we did it. But anyway, I went back for the meeting between five and six. And it's actually run by, I think it's Awa or Ara, the, the um, Polytechnic. And and what they've done is it's called Live, Lives, L-I-V-S. It's Living in Vacant Spaces. So what they're doing is providing this context for artists, people to learn about permaculture and growing food. And it's really quite a vibrant wee place. I think there's probably about 20 people at the meeting that I went to. And um, one of the, the young women who made this most delicious carrot cake, but I believe the education department are coming down this week from Wellington, so I'm hoping that they don't um, potentially try and um, discontinue what seems to be a vibrant, dynamic, uh, creative community that's going to be providing food for that community. So, you know, it was a very amazing experience for me too. And then I went back the next day to see it all cut down. It is now like a paddock, and I also... In its altered form, <laughs> which I guess will regenerate photosynthesis takes takes place. <laughs> Henry, we've seen lots of changes in society over the two years of the pandemic. What do you think is going to stick, and perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Well, I I really just hope the communities pull together and um, you know create more resiliency within the local within their within their environment, where there's more food sharing, more resource sharing. Um, I think I think conversations have opened up a lot more with the pandemic. I think people that probably haven't talked to each other before maybe are more engaging with um so I think I think there has been a lot of really good things about the last couple of years. But you know, again I'm I'm really mindful about you know, the, the fragility of our climate as well, as well as um, you know, the fires up north, you know, 6,000 hectares or acres. It's, it's just phenomenal that, you know, that in our, and all through the world, you know, just terrible natural disasters. Um, 
you know, I, I do find it, um, you know, ups, upsetting um, that, you know, our world is, is quite a fragile, it's in a fragile state, sure. I, I have no doubt about that. And I think the more we can learn to protect and preserve our environment and, and our people um, and one another, um, you know, it's going to have a positive flow on effect for, for the whole world, I, I believe. Let's take the second of your music choices. Let's have Israel, Kamaka Vivioli, Over the Rainbow. Why this one? Oh, it's just such a beautiful song. I, I know it was my fa- my Nana's favourite song. And when we were children in Mofra, we'd drive whenever my Nana heard this song. Yeah, and I think it was about her childhood sweetheart. And um, when she was 75, she actually married her childhood sweetheart and went to live in Christchurch with her. Just whenever I hear that song, it just makes me think of um, enduring love.
Henry, I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? I think I have been working on my photography, um, really pushing my photography. Like I work on it every day for hours. Um, it's, you know, I, I work on my photography like it is my job, my passion, and it incorporates my garden and the environment. And um, yeah, I'm really trying to um, push it, you know, really push it um, to to really try and um, embrace um, new perspectives and new ways of seeing um hopefully that is um you know, more expansive but looking at greater um you know more more in detail but abstraction that allows a reorientation to viewing um i know when i wrote an essay on discrimination um It was really interesting in my research. The only way to change anything, and I, I think it's not just to do with discrimination and marginalization, was to elicit an emotional response. And I think if you can elicit an emotional response in a human being, you have the ability to affect change in, in their spirit and in their thinking. But I think if you just like blah, blah, words, 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 I don't think people really you know they engage but and i think if you can touch their soul and touch their spirit with something that it's like that light bulb moment but it's actually within your heart that you can actually like draw back the cushions and actually see what is really there it's sort of it is like a revelation um and it's always um, a very wake, a great wake-up call to be able to have that experience yourself. Well, when I have that experience myself, it's always, wow, that that was, thank you, you know, thank <laughs> you, thank you. I've learned so much. Um, and, um, yeah, I'm grateful for the lessons that I, that I can learn. And I think that life is a never-ending lesson. <laughs> Um, yeah. So what's your superpower? Um, maybe love. Sometimes, yeah, I think, I think, uh, love and, um, just trying to accept, accept the situation for what it is. You know, not trying to change things, just, just, you know, I guess when I went to Christchurch, I was looking for a, a needle in a haystack. And, um, you know, I did some serious soul searching and, and um, hunting in that haystack when I was there for two weeks. And I, I experienced a lot of serendipity, a lot of, um, you know, I went to Akara and had a beautiful six and a half hour lunch with some English friends that I've known that bought an ironing board when I used to work in an antique shop. <laughs> and I've known them for centuries. 
Anyway, I arrived there for lunch at 12 o'clock and left at 6.20. <laughs> it was the most delightful. And then um, driving there, I'd stopped off at Little River and I'd experienced this, this herbal thing that I was fascinated in. The lady at the junction, uh, the craft centre, information centre, she photocopied all the blurb and I went, I really want to, and I photographed the woman's name and, and I went, I really want to meet this woman. And then... I arrive at my accommodation at about 6.30 after the lunch. And that woman arrived. And, and the woman said, oh, come and have a glass of wine with us. So that horrible woman was right there. And I said, wow. And she was holding a workshop. So uh, Velma, who does, she's from Phyto Farm. She held this workshop on the Saturday, which I attended with other people at, at her um place in Little River and we collected all these herbs and they, this beautiful um, we had this beautiful lunch and we made a tea and we made a vinegar we sat in her drying room which was full of herbs and oh it was just beautiful and then I went to a beautiful garden called uh, Fisherman's Bay and spent three hours walking around that amazing garden and then I went to Honeywai and met Hugh, who's got this conservation land in um, Banks Peninsula that he just has this fabulous forest and bush that you can walk through. And with him was this man called um, Peter. And Hugh was saying, oh, you must go and see Peter's garden. And I was like, oh, okay. So Peter used to be a psychiatrist at Christchurch Hospital. And Peter and his wife, Annabelle, have this Thai puppy sculpture garden. So, of course, I couldn't resist going, not going there, so I had to go there in the pouring rain. Annabelle made me a cup of tea. Peter got his gumboots on, and the two of us, we walked around the rain for about an hour looking at all these amazing sculptures, and he had two matai trees and um, rimu. It's going to, like, turn into a big room of a rimu, like a, a room of a rimu. <laughs> But it was pouring with rain, as I said. But it was magnificent. And the sculptures just, you know, I think it was four hectares or something we walked around. Um, sublime, sublime. And and then the other garden I went to was Broadfield's garden out in Selwyn. And then um, the gentleman there, David, he took me around the garden, you know, for a couple of hours as well. And he has 100 kari trees in Christchurch. And he's been working on the garden for, like, I think 20 years. and so established and then through a little little gateway there was this most incredible brightly colored perennial garden that's been created by a german woman who's working there she's done a phd and it is just like walking into a painting of form color shape and i just said to claudia that is <laughs> beautiful <laughs> just, so you know my needle in a haystack going to Christchurch, um, you know, I did find a meadow in that haystack and I did meet some wonderful gardeners and people that really do embrace the beauty of trees, flowers, plants, herbs and, um, and humanity. And, um, you know, all these gardens are available for people to, to go to and experience. And um, they've certainly enriched my life. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a magical time. 
Okay, I've got four more questions and almost negative time to get through them, so we're going to have to quickly wiggle through them. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Uh, Yes. What motivates you? Beauty, tranquility, uh, collaboration, um, and the ability to be non-judgmental and just accept things how they are and not trying to change them. You know, we've got, things will change, but, you know, it's we, we really do need to look at our, our individual selves before we really um, try and change other people or try and um, impose, impose other things things on other people you know you've got to have you've got to have a um you've got to have that reciprocity i think that is one of the most important things reciprocity what is the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or two i think you might have told us photographing photosynthesis well that would that would seem a challenge to me yeah Yes, I did actually talk to a friend yesterday about this wee discussion we're having today, and she told I told her about the exhibition, and she told me about a gentleman called Lloyd somebody who's from Dunedin. He lives in Australia, and he had Goldman. an exhibition twenty years ago, or ten years ago, on photosynthesis. Lloyd <laughs> I Godman. couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, yeah, that's really yeah. that's Lloyd Godman. He's, he's a good friend. He's been on the show a couple of times. Oh wow! I think he's. Well, I'm, I've been reading his work, and I'm fascinated by that. So I've been checking him out over the last 24 hours, actually. I'd love to meet him. It sounds amazing. Yeah, you'd like him a lot. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? I'm not really one to give advice, but um, I, I just wish you all a very happy Christmas and a safe Christmas, and I just think that Let's just hope that we can um, keep COVID right where it is and it just um, doesn't escalate into um, a scenario in our country that, um, you know, I I just hope that it just stays where it is and we can all just really work to um, stay. And one of my sisters hates it when I say stay safe, but um, I guess it's just trying to take all necessary precautions to um, keep COVID exactly where it is. And yeah, just look after yourselves and look after your family and your friends. And I um, let's just hope 2022 um, is a great year for, for our world. Thank you for that. Mawira. And Marie, it's a beautiful thing to see the world through the eyes of a t- of a photographer you go see the world differently so thank you for enabling us to see the world the way that you do thanks for the commitment that you've made to mental health and wellness um, in lots of different forms over the course of your life Um, and i wish you a year of further serendipity as you journey through the greatness that life brings us and all the best for the year ahead kia ora thank you both very much
happy Christmas. Thank you for the time. It's been really lovely. Thank you. The 12 Days of Kiwi Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a meat pie from the local dairy. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two boogie boards and a meat pie from the local dairy. The third day of Christmas my true love gave to me Three white sheep, two boogie boards And a meat pie from the local dairy On the fourth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Four sausage sizzles, three white sheep, two boogie boards And a meat pie from the local dairy Fifth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Five chocolate fish Four sausage sizzles, three white sheep Two boogie boards and a meat pie from the local dairy On the sixth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Six rugby players, five chocolate fish Four sausage sizzles, three white sheep, two boogie boards, and a meat pie from the local dairy. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven hobbit extras, six rugby players, five chocolate fish, four sausage sizzles, three white sheep, Two boogie boards and a meat pie from the local dairy On the eighth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Eight frisbees flying, seven hobbit extras, six rugby players Five chocolate fish, four sausage sizzles, three white sheep Two boogie boards and a meat pie from the local dairy The ninth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Nine jars of Marmite, eight frisbees flying Seven hobbit extra, six rugby players Five chocolate fish Four sausage sizzles, three white sheep Two boogie boards and a meat pie from the local dairy On the tenth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Ten pairs of jandals, nine jars of marmite, eight frisbees flying, seven hobbit extra, six rugby players, five chocolate fish, four sausage sizzles, three white sheep, two boogie boards, and a meat pie from the local dairy. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is P.O.T. Ride.
The Kiwi 12 Days of Christmas. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani, and from Kaitangata, we've been joined by Anne-Marie Davis. On the 12th day of That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. 12, lollies rolling, 11, yachts are sailing, 10, pairs of jandals, 9, jars of marmite, 8, frisbees flying, 7, hobbit, extra 6, rugby players, 5, chocolate fish, 4, sausage sizzles, 3, white sheep, Two bogey boards and a meat pie from the local dairy. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.